Right, let's do this. I'm ready. Okie dokie. Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, oh no, this is My you. name's Asia. <laughs> <laughs> One day. <laughs> One day. I think we got it right last episode. Okay, let's Did go. We? I think well so. Okay, let's do it again because obviously we've taken one step forward and two steps back. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. My name's Asia. And my name's Manvir. And welcome to Audacious Auntie's Chat Poetry. And this week is Mambi. It is who's me. Who's taken the rain? Indeed. Um, and I'm really excited because this week we are going to be looking at a really inspiring gal called Audrey Lord. And Ooh, okay. She was basically an African American poet writing during the civil rights movement and also the, like during second wave feminism. And it's just really interesting with the words that she has to talk about intersectionality in feminism nice. and just general like liberation movements. Do you think that she knew Gwendolyn Brooks? Potentially. Um her Wikipedia, because like she is a really famous person, so her Wikipedia page is huge, and it just like casually drops tons of really important people in there that she's just casually met over the years. She's had films made about her as well, um, so she is a really big person, and I'm really excited to get started with this girl. But before we hop into her, how is everybody doing, Asia? Um, and by that I mean, how are you doing, Asia? <laughs> I am doing a fabulous stuff. I am um, never going to say that word again. Please don't. (laughs) I, yeah, just, you know, living every day. Oh my god, today I went on frizz.com. I don't know if you remember it. No. It's like this really, it's like this games website that I used to go on when I was like nine or ten. God, is this what was on your story on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I was thinking, what a child. <laughs> and they have, like, really, like, stupid games on them. <laughs> and, but, like, one of them is kill COVID-19. And you have to, like, get... It gives you, like, this injector pen and you shoot the virus. <laughs> and all this, like, chaotic energy. <laughs> that oh, actually God. sounds really good. I take back everything I said. <laughs> I want to play it now. You should. I'll send you the link to it. Okie dokie. Um, cool. I'll get on that. Well, at least like someone is profiting out of COVID. Too true, man. <laughs> um, sounds good. Um, what have I been up to today? Not much, to be honest. Um, finished a few projects here and there. Now I'm just um preparing myself for my brother's birthday party tomorrow. It was really jokes. Whilst he was um procrastinating doing his work that he was meant to be doing, he came into the living room where me and Mum were sitting, and he gave us invitations um to his supposed party, which is happening tomorrow in the living room. Be there or be square. Ain't no party like a lockdown party. Exactly. Right. So we are trying to think of like different games that we want to play. And if they were Corona themed, it would be quite funny. But I don't know whether or not Corona and his theme of Pokemon are going to go very well together, but we'll see how it goes. Well, it's kind of like... Uh, Pokemon catch them all, but like the opposite, because you don't want to catch Corona. This is true. Or like you throw... <laughs> Pokemon balls at Corona. I'm not quite sure. I never really watched Pokemon as a kid. That could be completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I feel like both of us have single-handedly destroyed any Pokemon <laughs> fan that could possibly be 
listening to this. We've lost the so, whole fan base. Let's Dang move it. Swiftly on. Yes, let's go to Audrey. Um, so Audrey is a really interesting girl, and she describes herself as um, black lesbian mother warrior poet. Love which that. I think Love is a that. beautiful combination of words. Yeah. And so just to kind of give a brief summary of her life in the beginning. So she was born on the 18th of February in 1934. That's my sister's birthday. Oh, that's exciting. Not the year, obviously, but... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Continuing with me. So she yes. was born in New York City to Caribbean immigrants. So her father was from Barbados and her mother was Grenadian. Um, and this is already quite interesting um, because they both settled into Harlem and Lord's mother um, had a mixed ancestry already. And apparently Lord's mother could be passed as Spanish, which kind of like brings in the whole idea of being a light skinned um, person of color uh-huh. and how that was an advantage. And apparently Lord's father was quite a lot darker than Lord's mother. So at first Lord's mother's parents weren't happy with the match. But then they allowed it because of his supposed charm, ambition and persistence. That is beautiful. (laughs) Yep. Um, And so she grew up hearing her mother's stories about the West Indies. And at the age of four, she learned to talk while she learned to read. And her mother taught her to write at the same time. Um, And she also wrote her first poem when she was in the eighth grade. This is also really jokes as well. So she was born as Audrey with a Y at the end of her name. Uh-huh. But then she decided to drop the Y from her first name um, because she just liked the artistic symmetry of the two E's at the ending of both of her names. She sounds iconic. <laughs> yeah, it is really interesting. So her relationship with her parents was quite difficult from a young age and she spent um, quite little time with her father and her mother because they were both very busy maintaining their real estate business in the tumultuous economy after the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And so while she did see them every now and then, it was quite cold and just generally emotionally distant. Um, and this was definitely pertinent in her relationship with her mother. Um, who was, as Wikipedia says, was deeply suspicious of people with darker skin, which Lord herself was. And so I don't know whether or not Wikipedia is suggesting that her mother was suspicious of her own child, but mm-hmm. um, obviously embedded racism is a, a yeah. like is a deep factor in her relationship with her mother in particular. Interesting. Hmm. So. Moving on, she attended Hunter College at Columbia University and she was a librarian there for several years until she then published her first volume of poetry called First Cities in 1968. And then this is quite interesting. If we go on to her personal life, um, which Wikipedia will tell me. So in 1962, she married this attorney called Edwin Rollins, who was a white gay man. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like the opposite of three of her words. Almost. <laughs> I know, it's wild. Um, but just really interesting. So that happened. Um, but then afterwards they divorced in 1970 after having two children called Elizabeth and Jonathan. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, after that, from 1977 to 78, she had a brief affair with the sculptor and painter Mildred Thompson. 
Um, and the two met in Nigeria in 1977 at the Second World Black and African Festival of Arts and Culture. And, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And so that happened. Um, but then that finished as well. And then when she was in Mississippi in 1968, she met Frances Clayton, who was a white lesbian and professor of psychology. Um, uh-huh. So they were together until 1989. Oh, cute. Um, so, yeah, th- that relationship basically continued for the remainder of Lord's life. Um, we stand. But then Lord's life partner was a black feminist called Dr. Gloria I. Joseph. And they resided Hi. together on Joseph's native land in St. Croix. And they founded several organisations together. Yeah, so a lot of them were to do with, like, women's rights, intersectionality. And, yeah, no, so that's kind of her relationship um, with her amazing. lovers. Mm-hmm. But then, in terms of her professional career, so her life apparently changed dramatically um, after her first volume of poetry, First Cities, came out. She had many poetry workshops in various parts of the US, um, and I think, particularly when she went to a poetry workshop at Tougaloo College in Mississippi, she, when she was there, she witnessed the first-hand deep racial tensions in the South, and so this was when she decided to bring intersectionality into her narrative. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of inspired a lot of the rest of her works to do with making sure that feminism wasn't just tackling the needs of the white woman. Sounds like she did a lot, not she, gonna lie. She did a lot. So later on in her life, she developed cancer. Um, and one of her best known works of non-fiction is called The Cancer Journals, which came out in 1980 in which she documents her own struggle with breast cancer. So, having undergone a mastectomy, Lord refused to be victimised by the disease, and instead she considered herself and other women like her to be warriors. Um, However, the cancer later spread to her liver. And so, yeah, this was like a constant battle that she had, and she spent her last few years living in the US Virgin um, Islands. And then at that point, she also decided to take the African name Gamba Adiza, which means she who makes her meaning clear. And I think this is very pertinent in the poem that we will be looking at today. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, obviously she's been through a lot. So, like, as a black woman, who also was like disabled by cancer she has a lot of themes to be talking about in her poetry yeah um and i think the poem that i have chosen kind of shows this conflict quite well so the poem is called who said it was simple okay and it was written in 1973 let's get started there are so many roots to the tree of anger that sometimes the branches shatter before they bear. Sitting in Nedicks, the women rally before they march, discussing the problematic girls they hire to make them free. An almost white counterman passes a waiting brother to serve them first, and the ladies neither notice nor reject the slight pleasures of their slavery. But I, who am bound by my mirror as well as my bed, see causes in colour as well as sex and sit here wondering which me will survive all these liberations and that's the poem well Mel I'm just getting it up so that I can fully yeah it's comprehend it yeah it's quite a heavy poem considering how small it is mm-hmm. um, which is what I really like about it she manages to fit so many issues 
into such a short amount of words. Uh-huh, I get what you mean by the whole, because the whole thing is a commentary on how race plays a role in feminism and intersectional feminism. Mm-hmm. And I like how when she gives like the example of like the women who are getting ready for a rally as well she's giving like a proper example she's not just kind of talking about how it's an issue for her but she's giving kind of an everyday example of what she has to live through and how these everyday matters are conflicting with her constantly yeah yeah and i really like the 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 ladies neither notice nor reject the slightest slighter pleasures of their slavery mm-hmm. that's a really interesting line because there's two ways to kind of think about it and uh-huh. that's especially where intersectionality comes in so i was reading um different analysis of this online because i wanted to branch out of wikipedia thank you very much and so when it was talking about the slight pleasures of their slavery their slavery could either be referenced as the kind of entrapment of women in the sense that in this scene, they seem to be talking about the saying ladies first. So these ladies are passing a man who's opened the door for them, basically. Yeah. So in it, it's kind of like them taking advantage of their sex being debased. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Or it could be about actual racial slavery in the sense that it talks about an almost white man so not white yeah exactly yes um so it's kind of like embedded slavery and it's really interesting because it's so telling of the time in which audrey's living in because you have both the civil rights movement like coming to a head in like 1964 um Mm -hmm. but at the same time second wave feminism is also coming in and that's really when feminism becomes a lot more intersectional and this poem is the beautiful merging of the two Mm -hmm. um but also how frustrating it is that the two don't seem to be merging as easily as they should yeah because yeah and it's like no i feel this poem because it's like it is the problem now it's still a problem these days where two causes that should be in solidarity with one another because by helping one another they both gain rights mm-hmm. are just clashing and it's like don't do that because if we're all in this together and we see the problems that we can tackle together then collective power will throughout exactly and it will just end the problem so much quicker but obviously we are humans and nothing is ever that simple for us and i think it's also quite telling as well of first wave feminism especially in the US as well as a little background um, a lot of women who were campaigning for feminist rights um, back in the 1910s white feminists were advocating for like for there not to be racial rights just because white women are basically arguing that if the black man got the vote before the white women did then that would just mean that they would be put even further down in their feminist agenda Right. Well, that was, like, their way of explaining it. And, like, obviously that's how it did kind of work out in the end. Mm -hmm. And so to see the effects of that come into play with, like, second-wave feminism, Mm -hmm. where the civil rights movement is so strong alongside Mm -hmm. black and people, like, women of colour finally demanding for their rights as well, but then always having to kind of 
decide whether or not they wanted to be on the side of feminism or for racial equality and the constant questioning of why the two couldn't come hand in hand is just really really well highlighted in this poem so i'm really impressed yeah i also really like the just the first line which can almost it almost feels like it's sort of a separate from the rest of the poem mm -hmm. because like you can link it to this poem but you can just read it by itself it doesn't need the context of this poem and i really love the idea of the branches shattering because of all the anger before they fulfill their use or actually bear anything productive mm -hmm. because i feel like it's so true that sometimes a movement will get so caught up in its anger that it implodes before it can actually make an effect yeah um i think it's so it's a really good take on like how it is so easy to be just angry with the world mm -hmm. um and how there's a difference between just being angry and turning that anger into something productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also didn't know that Audrey Lord is the person who is the author of the quote, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Mm. Because the amount that phrase has been bandied around my household the past week, let <laughs> really? me tell you. Yeah. I like we've been sitting down and having lots of conversations about capitalism and Britain but um and each conversation always ends with one of us loudly exclaiming that the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house <laughs> amazing well now you know and now you can um, tell your family all about Audrey Lord. yes no I will tonight is fun dinner time activity <laughs> I'm glad but yeah no were there any other bits um that you liked in the poem which oh I the very final bit I feel like is very deep so I'm still trying to like I feel it's the most personal part of the poem when she says sit here wondering which me will survive all these liberations because obviously she straddles so many different categories yeah. of oppression that are all at different points in their liberation and different um, given different amounts of importance or attention mm -hmm. that I, I can only imagine like I'll never I can only imagine how difficult and divided you must feel to see so many parts of your identity picked up and picked apart yeah. and been, being told their worth and what's not worth what they're not worth it must be so emotionally taxing mm -hmm. this does remind me again of like just about politics and how annoying it is for like as a minority to be told when i'm like minority is popular in a sense so like whether or not like backing a minority mo movement is a good like oh. political tactic rather than yes, it yeah. just being something important to be looked at Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And it seems okay. like this is what she seems to be going through at the time. And it's just really sad that how many years later on, um, quick maths, about 50 years later on, the same thing mm -hmm. is still happening. You know what? This is a man's world. Two real men. Mm -hmm. Clicks. Yeah. What a gal. I really liked her. I thought she was really good. 
and I'm glad that you liked her too and I think yeah I think that's our analysis of her done and I, I am really impressed I feel like we we zoomed through her we did zoom through that because I feel like there's so much to say about her there's very much if you like what you hear you should go and explore more <laughs> yeah. kind of vibes <laughs> Um, rather than hear it from two people who don't really know exactly what they're saying, use Wikipedia <laughs> instead, like us. <laughs> I was just thinking last week there were so many points where I was reading a paragraph for the first time and trying to understand it as <laughs> I explained it to you. And I was like, yes, no, I am completely qualified in the maths. I'm <laughs> In all honesty, I didn't really know who I was doing until about half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, and that will be the case next week because <laughs> I have not chosen anyone yet. Amazing, um, but I also guarantee it will be amazing too. Yeah, so no, by, after my family listened to the Fairs Emma Fairs episode, um, they were giving me loads of suggestions of South Asian poets, so... Uh, but I'm not sure if I'll do another one of them. I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. It's always fun because, to go to South Asia just because, like, heritage. But then it's like... Just, you I... want to expand. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to... You know what? We Actually, let's end this and then I'll tell you my struggles. So. Okay. Um, also, I discovered something new recently which I feel like is really fun to share. Mm-hmm. I mean, in an educational basis. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back to the time in which we are living, corona exists and all that jazz. So life is very much on hold. And as a languages student um, who should be doing a year abroad next year, this is quite scary um, because it might not be happening. And I thought, mm-hmm. how on earth do I save my degree by right. just kind of doing what I do on a daily basis? And I was watching Netflix and I was like to myself, oh, there are so many good Spanish shows on Netflix. I should, I'll just watch one of them. And I was looking through it. And of course I wanted to both have Spanish and English subtitles up at the same time, because sometimes Spanish phrases are either said too quickly or I just don't know what they're saying. So um, I then just did a quick, like cheeky Google search on how I could have two subtitles up at the same time. So much like Netflix Party, there's also a learning extension called Language Learning with Netflix, which you can download. Um, And I don't know why I'm endorsing them, but I found it's really helped me because it has both the subtitles up at the same time. But on the side, there's also the script where if you want to translate a whole phrase, it does it for you. That is so cool. And it's it's I just found like it's really helped me. And I don't know whether or not this is a widely known thing, but I want it to be because I just think it's helped me so much with my Spanish. But yeah, no, language learning with Netflix. Get on it. Will do. Maybe you can continue your Italian, which you did like for a week last year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was a really sad, awkward laugh. We no. <laughs> Exhibit A. Okay, let's um, bring this to an end before you embarrass yourself any further. We need to jingle. Dun, 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 dun. Excellent. All right. See you next Goodbye. week, everybody. Bye. Oh, Bye. also, we completely forgot to mention that we now have a Twitter and an Instagram page. Yes, we do. Follow them. Oh, at the Twitter is called Audacious Aunt because we ran out of characters, so we couldn't say aunties, but we had to go with the westernized version. Just stuff. Just to play with everybody. 
Um, so that's at Audacious Aunts. Yep. And the Instagram um, is called Audacious Aunties because Instagram's a bit more generous in their word count. And once we get over 10 followers on each, we will begin uploading. <laughs> <laughs> the bar isn't very high. No, please help us reach it. <laughs> oh, goodness. I thought you were about to announce some kind of giveaway with some kind of prize or money that we didn't have. And I was very no. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> baby steps around it, baby steps. If we get 10 followers, we'll actually use the social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank <laughs> you, dokie. Well, with Bye. that in mind, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. This audio was brought to you by Manvir Dob and Asya Iftikar. We don't know much to say the least. But if you would like to share your thoughts, knowledge, criticisms, fan mail, then pop us an email at audaciousaunties at gmail.com.